Hi there, welcome to the RevOps Show. If you've been a longtime listener, you may have heard Doug and Jess before on episodes talking about launching your CRM three to four times a year, or this term of always be launching. And if you haven't heard them talk about this before, well, you're going to learn a lot about it today. We realize we have only ever mentioned this concept and haven't ever dived into what it truly means to always be launching your CRM. So today we're doing just that. You'll get a full picture of what it means and how you can always be launching your CRM right here on the RevOps Show. Jess. Doug. What is going on? We're world champions. All right, all right, all right. We're world champions. Oh. Holy cow, I didn't, you do, I don't have it queued up. Do you want to sing it? Do you want we to sing it? We are the champions, my friend. Do you know, do you know any of the words? Yes, I know the word. I know the words. <laughs> Other than we are the champions, my friend. I know all the words. I'm not going to okay, sing how, the whole song, but I how know. How does it start? Just say it. Just speak it like a poem. How does it start? We, we paid our dues. I, I paid my dues. I paid my dues. Time right, after next. time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next. I, I. It's hard when you're not seeing it. I uh, did my sentence, but committed I've done no. My sentence. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime, and bad mistakes. I've made a few. <laughs> I'm not going any further. <laughs> I've had my shares of kicks in my face. Nice. And I come I've, through. through. Yes. There and we go. On wah and wah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Who, who, who told you they were going to win? You did. Who told you not to worry? It was done? You did. Who did you accuse of, of offending the baseball gods? I accused you of offending the baseball gods. And, and how could you do that? How could you ever accuse me of offending the baseball? I will. You know what? I won't. If, I won't accuse you anymore. Because <laughs> if, if there's one person on the planet, they will always make sure that they do not accurate. offend the baseball gods. Who who would who would that be? That would be you. It's accurate. The first five innings of Game Five were perhaps the most stressful of my life. Yeah, but see that again. I gotta say, this is why fans. This is why fans kill me. <laughs> Just all fans in general of anything. You know, all anything. fans. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I think I wrote a blog post about it. I think I actually wrote a, a blog post about this. Like, so, so that game for you should mm-hmm. have been stress free. Why? Because they were up three, three and one. Yeah. There, there, there was really no consequence for that. There, there's even, there's even a philosophy. I don't agree with it. I agree with, 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 with Bochy's approach, and I think most people would do this, which is. Um, you know, in, in the tournament and you got to realize there's the baseball season and there's the tournament. They're two distinctly different things. Yep. In the tournament, you play to win every game. Um, but like there, there is a school of thought that says Evaldi shouldn't have pitched. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and by the way, for, for all of the, we, you know, play to win every game, had that been game seven? Um, oh my God, I'm going, um, Straubs or, or Spores, Sabors would yeah. not have, Sabors would not have finished the game. Oh, absolutely not. No. I was right. shocked to see him come out in the night. I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're going to oh, go there. Oh, not shocked at all. Wasn't shocked at all. 
What happened? Well, what happened between the eighth and the ninth inning? Well, the be- between the eighth and the ninth inning. What happened from what happened during the eighth inning? So from the seventh. Oh, we scored. By the way, four, do you we, know why the we scored four do, runs and they scored zero? <laughs> do you know why the sixth inning is afraid of the seventh inning? Oh, I know this because my my kids have have joke books because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Why? Why is number six here afraid of the number seven here? Because seven, eight, nine. My um, my se- that's my seven year old's favorite joke right now. By the way, just telling so, everybody. So I will. I will. Um, Oh, so you know what Drew's favorite joke was when he was a kid? What? If I put my hand in my left pocket and I've got a dollar thirty-two cents, and I put my hand in my right pocket and I've got three dollars and forty cents, what do I have? I don't know what. Somebody else's pants. Oh my god! I got to tell and, them that one. They're gonna love that. <laughs> and Dylan's favorite joke. Uh huh. Was so I would say I I said to Dylan. Why was the cat afraid of the tree? Because of its bark. <laughs> but Dylan would, so she heard that joke. Everyone laughed, mm-hmm. everyone kind of laughed. And she get, so she then would, would go, why was the dog afraid of the tree? So why was the dog afraid of the tree? I don't know why was the dog afraid meow, of the tree. Meow, meow. <laughs> and she got a bigger laugh than the first Of course person, she did. Even though it made absolutely no sense. So that stuck with it. And, and do you know what zero said to eight? What did zero say to eight? Nice belt. All right. So back to mm-hmm. in the eighth. Why inning, you hate fans? Ran- oh, in the yeah. eighth inning, the Ranger the Rangers scored four runs. Yep. Had they scored two runs, Spores wouldn't have been in the ninth. Inning. Right. Yeah. Do you know why? Because you need to get three outs. <laughs> you need to get all all of the. Nope. You why? need to get three outs when you're up by five. Well, okay. Why? So, three runs or less mm-hmm. at the beginning of an inning. It changes a bit, like bases are loaded or something. But three runs or less. Um, if 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 a team is ahead by more than three runs, it's not a safe situation. Right. So, it's it's not uncommon to not bring in your closer when it's not a safe situation. Mm. Further, and, and by the way, closers are crazy. Closers are crazy, crazy people just in general. And, and it's not unusual that a closer pitches differently mm-hmm. in a safe situation versus a non-safe situation. Right. There's so much adrenaline, so much pressure as much as, yeah. you know, focus on the process, et cetera. The other thing too, that is different about five runs is you'll oftentimes hear the term we, we were, um, you know, we were slam ready or, or I forget that's not the term, you know, but we're ahead by more than a slam. Yeah. We've got a slam covered, which means they could hit a grand slam and we're still in the lead. And we're still winning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so for those reasons and it being game five with a three, one advantage, mm-hmm. um, cause there is a big risk and it's, it makes me sad as a longtime baseball fan. There is a big risk in the ninth inning saying, okay, we're up by more than we'll bring in, by the way, you saw this on, um, in game four, mm-hmm. right? Cause weren't they up like 11 to two yeah. going into the eighth inning? Yeah. Um, see that would have been far more stressful for me than the first five innings. <laughs> um, so if, if spores had come out and, given up hits, given up runs. Right, they would have they would have pulled him. Yeah. Well, but but the danger of that is that that closers 
mm-hmm. are used to like in, in the day, you know, like when I was a kid and I watched baseball, your closer, mm-hmm. you brought your closer out when there was a runner in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They came like, but today you come out, closers come out in the ninth inning the, in come the out with a clean yeah. inning. Right. And so closers actually don't pitch as well when, when they, they come start in, in the middle of an inning. And again, the whole prep, there's a whole bunch to there, but. But we won, Doug. You did? We won. I was rooting for the Rangers, but it's not we. I'm not (laughs) I'm not a we. I'm not hey, I'm not I don't I don't bandwagon, you know that? Yep. Um, but uh I'm I'm I've always loved Bochi, except always loved Bochi. You know, I've always loved Bochi and hated it. Yeah, he's one of those. (laughs) I think everybody hated him. What team did he no, I I'm sure it's because of a team that he managed, but I don't know which team it's fucking San Francisco goddamn Giants every other fucking year. So First Nationals playoff game I'm at. What is it? I guess it's a Saturday. Dylan had a soccer game. You know, it's October. It's cool. It's a super windy day. But we're like, okay, we're going to go to her soccer game. And then from her soccer game, we're going to go to the baseball game. And so, of course, we go to the soccer game. It's windy, but it's sunny. And, you know, it's in the 60s. So you're like, oh, that's fine. So we all go, light jackets at most, et cetera. We get to the game. Of course, it becomes night. It gets frigid. In the ninth inning, two strikes. I pick up my phone, Drew Storen pitching, Nats closer, two strikes, base hit. I think it was like a double or something. They were up like two to one. I think it was two to one. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there's one on second. Two strikes again. By the way, you'll appreciate this because this is kind of like 2013 for you. Um, <laughs> pick up, picture, single tie game, tie it up. So I have two videos of what should be the last pitch mm-hmm. for the first time the Nationals are going to go, are going to advance in the playoffs. Tie game. The game goes 18 innings. I think it was 39 degrees by the time the game ended. Dylan was wearing shorts. Oh my God. <laughs> it was not fun. That's my... That's your, that's your Bochy. God damn Bruce Bochy. My favorite is, is, is Dusty Baker. When his kid, he was coaching the Giants. Okay. And his, his, so his son, Darren Baker, who's actually in AAA with the Nats. Um, but Darren Baker was the bat boy. And as Jeff Kent was coming hard, rounding third into home, he ran out to pick Darren. I think, I think it was like six years old was out there to pick up the bat. And I think there was a player coming behind Kent. So Kent literally crossed home plate, picked up Darren to get him out of the way. So he wasn't there when the, for the play at the plate. Oh my God. Or it would have been, or it would have been devastating. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. And, and you know what the sad thing for him is, is he's going to be in major league baseball. And, and every time he's somewhere for his first at bat there, that video, someone's going to play that video. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Of course you have to. You have to. So, by the way, I still don't recognize any World Series as being official since uh, 2019. I just want you to know that. Why is that? Is that because that that's when the Nationals won? Yep. And so why does that make everything after? I, I mean, I feel like anything after should be more official. Anything after should be more. Well, how do you become, how do you get more official than official? I don't know. I don't understand your logic of why it's not official. 
because the Nationals were the last team to win the oh World Series. Oh, my God. The Nationals got ripped off, by the way. They got ripped off. They got screwed. <sighs> Do you know tell why? Tell us all. No, tell us all. What happened in 2020? COVID. Yeah. Right? It became a 60-game season. No all-star game. I remember so this. So the, the Nationals ne- didn't get I to remember. Do... I remember hearing about this from you. I remember they, this they, conversation. They didn't get to have a season as the defending champions. Dave Martinez. Dave Martinez has never so, rightfully been the National League manager for the All-Star team. But everybody was in the same boat. <laughs> so I feel like the logic is not No, done. no. <laughs> there was no All-Star game in, in, in 2020. So, and what is... so Bruce Bochy uh-huh. is the manager of the American League All-Star team for 2024. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And... Um, but what and does that Corey have to Le- do with the with the with the Nationals like being robbed of like what is what does that get to do with anything? Dave Martinez was not has not been able to serve his rightful position as the manager of the National League All Star team. Okay, that that's that's part of the reward. I think we need to take this up with the commission. You're gonna have you're <laughs> gonna have so so in in at at the home opener in Texas or or within the first couple of games. You're going to have your ring ceremony. Yep. Texas Rangers fans will be able to be in the stadium. Yep. We'll be able to cheer as their team is awarded their World Series rings. Yep. The Nationals did a thing on Zoom. Okay. So, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's that's fair. That sucks. Did you watch any of the 2020 baseball season? It sucked. I did. It was not baseball. <laughs> I did. I mean, it was it was like the basketball season, which also sucked. <laughs> so. Right. so, so, anyways, the last official World Series. I do not recognize the authority. So you're wrong because the Rangers are. I can't be currently can't be wrong. the world champions, and you're wrong. I can't be wrong because what I'm saying is, Jess, you can't. That's what I feel. Okay. Well, what you feel is you wrong. You can't. You can't tell me that what I feel is wrong. That's what I feel. I just told you what you feel is wrong. <laughs> wow. Artie, what are we talking about today, Jess? We're not, this is not this a baseball, one... this is not a baseball podcast <laughs> for those that may be confused. Um, today, I want to talk about always be launching. This is a concept that we've hit on in a couple of episodes, and I want to talk about specifically launching and and relaunching your CRM and and that concept of always be launching. So let's, for those who haven't heard us talk about in other episodes, let's start with what does it mean to always be launching? Can you kind of define that concept for us? So if, if you think about, so you go out and you get a new CRM. You're the CRM dealership and get a new CRM. You go to the CRM dealership and you get a new CRM. This this CRM um, is gas powered. This this CRM is is even. You're you're going to go through a whole process to implement. You're gonna you're gonna go through a discovery process. You're gonna go through a business mapping process. You're gonna identify where the gaps are. You're gonna you're gonna build and configure. You're gonna test. You're gonna go live. We call that launch. Right. And as part of the launch, you're going to train. Um, you're going to make a big deal about it. You're, you're, you're going to, you know, in, es- in essence, that launch is, is a training. It is also a celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the problem and you know we've talked about it in a lot of episodes obviously but the problem is that is it the the dominant approach views that as okay we're done yep right so they view that as the finish line um and so what always be launching says is there is no finish line because the the launch is the finish of that launch and the beginning of the next launch. Yep. So, so what happens when you don't do that is you launch and then you don't do anything for who knows how long, or you launch and you, you fix and add, 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 fix and add. And you're just always fixing and add. Yep. And, and so what happens there is you end up creating a lot of complexity because, because mm-hmm. when you're in that mode of fix and add, fix and add, fix and add, fix and add, there's no subtract. Yep. Or it becomes at least that, that much harder to subtract. Um, the system over a period of time has gone, to go, goes through a made, you know, will have changed in a significant way, but, but they'll actually, they'll, they'll, they'll likely be very little documentation There'll be very little rationale. There'll be very little reason. Um, and, and that's why that's why companies that implement almost any technology over a period of time, the technology feels heavier and heavier and heavier. It, because it is heavier. Yep. Right. And and so what what the what the next launch is, we launch and then we plan for, for the next. Mm-hmm which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more detail. I don't want to take away all the thunder. I want you to, people tell me I need to give you more time to. <laughs> so what, one thing on this, cause you talked about the importance of it as far as configuration. Um, is there, is there a user impact? So you talked about the fact that, you know, we're, we're fix and add, fix and add, fix and add. We're not subtracting, having a rationale, that all strikes me as like configuration pieces to the CRM, but what's the impact on the user of this philosophy of always be launching um, or is there one? G- g- give me a little bit more context. T- tell me a little bit more about what you're, about what you're getting. So, not- so, so a couple of things. So first of all, we talk about um, if it's, so from a utilization and adoption standpoint, does this help breed better utilization of the system? This concept of always be launching because you're 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 you have that celebration, you have that excitement. People are paying attention to it. You also are likely getting engagement from your users because there's probably more of a feedback loop associated with this plan of follow-up launches. Like. Does this drive better adoption? Does this drive better engagement from your users than say if you launch and then you're just oh doing God, stuff? Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. 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 Um, and I would say it drives better adoption. It drives better utilization. It drives better alignment. It drives better value. It drives better efficiency. It drives better confidence. What's fascinating about it is it enables a greater rate of change with, with less feeling of change. What, why do you say that? So if, if you go back to our episode where we talked about change management, mm-hmm. the, 
change change feels like change change is hard change is distressful when the change lacks context right we you know, the, the whole thing that people hate to change is is in many ways a myth i was going to mm -hmm. try to come up with a much harsher word than that but nothing quite fit B because i mean people are always changing something you know we're actually, I mean, we're scared of and attracted to novelty. Mm -hmm. But what change is hard when we're changing and we don't know why we're changing or we don't want to change or, or there's, again, it's a juice for the squeeze thing. Um, and, and so when, when a system is always changing in small little ways, you feel like you, you, you feel like you lose stability. All right. So we buried the leap. Let, let's go back to first. Yes, we did. Let's go back okay. to first principles. Okay. I'm uh, getting hot here. Let's go back to first principles. The business process needs to drive the technology. The business process needs to drive the CRM. Yep. Right. And so when you're constantly changing the CRM, right, if you're constantly making fixes, additions, fixes, additions, or if you do nothing, yep. then the business process is no longer driving the CRM. And so when you're, when you're ad hoc fixing, ad hoc adding, um, you, the, the technology is now leading, mm -hmm. right? Because the technology is getting out of sync with, with the business process. Yeah. Now the intent is oftentimes to keep it in sync. Hey, wait, we need this, but, but we get into a whole system design element, which is again, when you fix one thing, it changes everything. Or when you change one thing, it changes everything. And so there's no consolidation point. Right. Yep. And so what a relaunch does is it is it consolidates. Mm -hmm. What a relaunch does is it refreshes. A relaunch and, and as part of it being a disciplined process is you're you're reinforcing what's working. You're adjusting what's not working. You your your launches have hypotheses as part of them. You're you're able to experiment. And yep. so subtraction becomes easier. It's never easy, right? but it becomes easier. And so, you know, your business process is always changing mm -hmm. your business. And by the way, if it's not always changing, then may God have mercy on your, your business soul. <laughs> right. And, and, and so what are you doing to, what are you doing to keep those two things in synchronicity? Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I had a thought as you were talking about prioritization too. So I think one thing that frequently gets lost when we're in this mode of fix and add, fix and add, fix and add, and we're not really looking at this as multiple launches is the importance of a backlog, which is something that we talk to our team about as far as, you know, ongoing client management and those things. But for CRM implementation and CRM launches, like a backlog is critically important because one, it's that prioritization of, do I need to do this right now? Okay. If I do every, if everything's important, nothing's important. We're going to put that on the backlog. It also, that growing list does breed that excitement for the team of what's coming down the pipe and also allows, you know, your, your CM, CRM administrator, your RevOps team to kind of manage what are the things we're doing and, and, and keep, keep focused to, to, 
to what is what is a part of this launch. So kind of packaging that way makes it a whole lot easier rather than just like fixing a bunch bunch of stuff and doing a bunch of stuff. It makes that prioritization easier. So so it does. I think it, I think it's beyond that because it, mm-hmm. it, you know again it's about it's about um, it's about recalibrating. Yep. In, in addition to prioritization. So so when you're creating that backlog, when you're creating that wish list, and and whether you guys call it whether, whether listeners are calling it backlog, you know, well, like one of the elements, it, if if you try to implement a hundred percent of what you want to do in a launch, you'll never launch. Yeah. So one of the really important things you need to do is you you know for each launch level, you need you need to define what is complete. Different things come up. You ask the question: Is this relevant to complete? I do we need to do this? Does this need to be done by this time or is it in the future? Um, and, and I like to look at at that type of list, that type of backlog. I, I don't like to ha- think priorities on that. Because if, if someone, if, you know, if we put this on on the later list and we say, okay, but that, you know, put two stars by it because it's because it's high, high priority. We're building in an assumption that's going to, you know, that, that, that's going to blind us to to reality. When we stop and say, okay, where are we? Where do we need to be? What have we learned? What's important? What's happening? What are they like? Mm-hmm. Now, very often what you thought was a priority, it turns out to be a priority, but, but it, right. you know, the value is being able to take a fresh look at where are we? What, what do we need to do? Um, it, it, it helps to prevent. I mean, one of the reasons that, that strategies, plans, technology implementations fail is because we're all subject to the sunk cost fallacy, mm-hmm. right? We, we do something because that's what we've been doing. Right. Yep. Right. And, and so like in the first, in, you know, in the first relaunch, it's probably not that big of a deal if you say, okay, well, this is a super high priority for the next right. iteration, but it's a really bad habit to get into because you just keep doing what you were doing. You never bring a fresh look to it. So yeah. You never bring that recalibration. Yeah. So I wasn't actually inferring prioritizing the backlog. I was talking more about prioritizing what you have for that current launch and keeping focus on those items. Cause I've found again, when you're kind of going in and you're not taking a, a launch always be launching philosophy, you just start doing any, everything. And there's a lot of recency bias involved frequently in, in what you're doing. So, so there, there are two things here. Um, if you don't take an always be launching philosophy, launches are really scary. Yeah. And and in fairness, if you're not taking an always be launching philosophy, they should be scary because if you don't do them now, it's very possible you won't do them. Right. Right. Yep. And and so that's that's why implementations stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch. But by the way, one of the things that I'm a big fan of is I know it doesn't always look this way, but one of the things I'm a big fan of is it, it, the launch date mm-hmm. within a tolerance, mm-hmm. the launch date should be the launch date. Yeah. And so, and so as you're coming up to the launch date, as, as you begin to see, okay, we may not be able to hit complete by the launch date. What everybody wants to do is move the launch date. You're far better. You'll, you'll increase velocity, you'll increase business performance better and faster. If instead you said, well, what can we do to reduce the definition of complete, right? Now, 
Now that's scary to do because you feel like you're giving something up. But but the reality is you're not giving anything up. Yep. No, we so we've do you actually know why you're not giving anything up? Because because you're gonna get it in a future launch. It's on the no, back. No, that's not why you're giving anything up. That's actually not why. Why? So do you remember when you were a client? I do. And we talked about changing moving the website. I do remember. <laughs> and oh, you remember you're talk the, about this story. <laughs> you remember that the new website had been an initiative at the company for I think it was like four years. Yeah, it was it was right. ridiculously long. Yeah. And 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 remember remember what your boss, I'm not gonna name names. He's a friend of he's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Um, remember, he he pushed back because what we were going to do is we were going to move the website from, I think it was on WordPress to HubSpot. It was not on WordPress. It was it was this was a this was a Dreamweaver site. Okay, it was on, okay, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we were going to move it from where it was to HubSpot. Yep. And that's all we were going to do. We weren't going to yep. change copy. We weren't going to change layout. We weren't going to change anything. Yep. And. And the pushback was, well, wait a second. I don't, why are we going to, why are we going to move the website if we're not going to, Yep. you know, it's, it doesn't say the right thing. We, we, we need to change that. And it's like, yes, you do. But, but right now you have a website that's not manageable. We're, yep. we're not able to, right. Yep. Got, you know, a whole bunch of things. And so we're, we're going to move the website because then we're going to be in a position to be able to do more, to manage things faster, et cetera. Mm-hmm. we got him to understand it felt like, well, wait a second. If I don't like, he felt like we were asking him to give up fixing yeah. the copy. Yep. Right. And, and, and the point that got him to realize it was I said, look, right now you have the wrong infrastructure and the wrong copy. Right. If we move it, you'll only have the wrong copy. Right. So you're not giving anything up. So when we say, so if this was our definition of complete, and by the way, you can think of somebody who we're working with right now where we're having this very issue, right? Yep. Some things came up, launch date pushed, right? Well, we can't, well, well, if we were to do this, like if we were to launch with this, then the reason that we're doing this wouldn't be met. Right. So. So to go live with that feels like legitimately feels like you're giving something up. Right. Except right now they don't have a CRM at all. Yep. Everyone's using individual things. Yep. Right. And so what you have to do is compare what your, what your launch is Mm -hmm. to where you are, not to where you want it to be. And so if you can keep a consistent 90 to 120 day launch cycle, then you're always improving three to four times a month, three to four times a year. And and what's more, you're always improving in 90 to 120 day intervals. So So it's not like we made a whole bunch of progress in this month. And then didn't do anything for 11 months and made a whole bunch of progress. And right. It's consistent. It's sustainable. 
So is that the reason for three to four times a year? Is that the reason for the 90 to 120 days because of the consistency and sustainability? Is that, is that why we recommend that? that that's why we recommend it. That's why we recommend a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that we say three to four times per year, which is, which is size dependent mm-hmm. um, is as a general rule, if you go more than 90 days, it's too long. Too much has changed. Too much has changed. Right. Um, Your too much can go wrong. Too much can go wrong because too much time has gone by or. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so if something is off and and again, what I want to emphasize here is, and this is where people, even when they like the idea, still misinterpret it. They think the read launch is about the CRM. But if you follow the prime directive, you know that the relaunch is not about the CRM. Right. Because the CRM is about the business process. Your business process is constantly changing. The reason that you have no clear business process is because you never recalibrate. You never update. And, And one of the reasons that that happens is because if you ever started to do that, I like to call them iteration or acceleration cycles. I actually like acceleration cycles better mm-hmm. because if I, if I do this and then my acceleration cycle is 90 days from now, my first acceleration cycle is 90 days from now. So anyway, this is what, when we bring on new people, this is probably the hardest thing for people to learn because they go in, okay, it's the next cycle. It's time for recalibration. Yep. We need to change everything. Like they want to redo every assumption. It's like, no. Yeah. You, you now, you, you start off with what your assumptions were here. And now all you have to do is say like, what's really changed. And you know what, in that first iteration cycle, if you did a half decent job on your first launch, not that much has changed. Right. And then you go to the next acceleration cycle and you know what, not that much has changed. You go to the third acceleration cycle and you go, not that much has changed. Now, and then you go, okay, you know what? We're busy. And so you skip the fourth acceleration cycle. And then there's not another acceleration cycle. And then, yeah. Now, your first relaunch is is primarily a lot of fixes. And, 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 and to be clear, I am not saying that you don't do anything in your CRM. You don't change yeah. anything in your CRM for 90 days. Right. And, and, and in many ways, when you do this, the day-to-day doesn't necessarily change that much. Yep. But, but if... So, so you, you've got to bring the relaunch into context with three zones of execution, right? Zone three, transformation zone. Where are we going? What's the company we need to be? Zone one, what do we need to do now? That's 90 days. Zone two, the enablement zone. So you're always, you're always staging from where we are to the company we need to be. Yep. Right. Um, so you're, you're learning along those lines. You're, you're, you're updating your assumptions. You're triangulating. You're, 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 you're doing all those things. And, and so, like, when you launch a brand new CRM, especially if you have not come off of an existing strong CRM, mm-hmm. then there's a whole lot of fixes just because this is the first yeah. time you're going through things. Lots of assumptions are wrong. And, and so your first quote-unquote relaunch actually has a lot to it. Right. Yeah. Because you fixed a whole bunch of stuff. 
Yeah. So it's actually, we're going through this right now with a, with a large client where we're tranching, rolling out groups because of the size of the users and, and just the complexity of their process. And it's funny. I just went through like, okay, guys, this is the path to launch. Here's, here's some things we've added. Here's some adjustments we made. And the feedback I got was, oh, this is a lot of the same but it sounds like we've tweaked and adjusted things from what we learned in the first launch. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we had these assumptions. We've decided to take this path instead of this path. And, and they're very similar, but we've made adjustments based on what we've learned. And it's, so I, I would equate that to what kind of what you said, of we're doing a lot of fixes for, for right. kind of how we configured with the first so, launch. So, so what happens in your first relaunch is a lot of fixes, a lot of cleaning things up. Your second relaunch has, has, for lack of a better word, a hangover effect to it. <laughs> but, but the dangerous thing is you now begin to fall into a pattern of looking at relaunches as fixes. Yeah. If, you are, not, if you are not raising the game, if you are not moving the ball forward, and if that doesn't make everything clear, I don't know what will. Um, if, if you're not building like that next level of complete is a higher level of function. It, it's stronger. You're, you're, and, and the point of this again should be what are the performance metrics that need to be, in, that need to be increased? What are the yep. capabilities that need to be developed or enhanced? Right. Then, then what ends up happening is you very quickly fall into a reactive game or I should say a reactive posture. And when you're, when you're managing the CRM reactively and there's a whole bunch of RevOps people who are listening to this show who are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. And I'm going to tell you, guess what? You are, are as guilty. You are more guilty than, than your peers because and, and again, what they're saying is, well, no, we're trying to advance this. I'm trying to work on the new model of, and what I'm going to say is, if that is not a part of a relaunch cycle, which mm -hmm. is a holistic view of ongoing elements of, there's the map that you're following. It's the same thing as reactive because you're yep. trying to improve something out of sync with everything else that's happening. And the biggest yep. danger the biggest danger of RevOps is the height. So one of the primary dangers of a RevOps function, right? When you separate the, the process maker, if you will, or the process designer mm -hmm. from the process doer is you, you, you fall out of sync to reality. Yep. You, you run right back into the, the difference between theory, you know, d design, you know, the ideal and the reality. Plus, by the way, by the time you've conceived something in RevOps to build it and implement it, the situation has changed. Yep. Right. Until you create a pause button for me, that's what's happening. <laughs> right. And, and so what, what happens is, is that we fall further and further out of sync. In essence, what, what I refer to is the, the plot is now lost. We're yep. no longer, it's no longer a symbiotic connection. 
We're not yep. in a tight closed loop. We're changing too much too fast. And that's where we build resistance. Because right? yep. too often I'm told this is going to make your life better. Well, won't right? it, Doug? So, so by the way, here, here's the other thing that, that happens, right? We, we need to understand the impact of, well, here's another reason why people quote unquote resist change. Mm-hmm. Too much change at one time. Yep. Right. Because, because guess what? This isn't the only thing I'm dealing with. It's like, I know the change yeah. that you made to our forecasting program. Isn't the only thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause because what else is changing? Well, my customer is changing. Yep. Their, their requests, their demands are changing. The market environment that we're in is changing. So like right now, we're in a major market um, haze. Mm-hmm. Like, like the life of somebody that, that's frontline and go to market, this is their, you know, the chessboard has been thrown up in the air, right? So, mm-hmm. so I'm, and, and, and so now like, so now we're going to make this change over here that's not taking this into account, right? And, and you know, I was talking with somebody about this uh, um, on, a, on a different topic. You know, too often we, we look to optimize before we've gotten to good enough. We, we look to oh, optimize yeah. before we've improved. Yeah. Something new. And something new should always be launched. Right. By the way, when you do this right, you, you remember I call I call this CRM Christmas. Yes, I right? remember. It's like, hey, we've got some new presents, right? And that's right. Because the, the other thing that happens to adoption and utilization is we launch. Hey, this is new. Hey, this is great. And then you're you're going to see an adoption and utilization curve, right? We fall back into old behaviors. We need something that goes reinforce. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um. You know the re- the reason that our managers are always moving forward is because it's new quarter. Whoop, uh, got to replant, got to update, got to update. Yep. By the way, you know, you know, one of the nice things about going from Q1 to Q2 is when you're in a quarterly environment. What? Q2 starts off at zero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, if you had a really good Q1, not so fun, but I was not a good golfer. The only thing that made me moderate was, was, a mental statement that I began to teach myself is I went, when I went from one hole to the next hole. So I knew, as I was putting down the ball for my tee shot, I reminded myself that this is a brand new hole. Yeah. Right. So I'm back at zero. And so if I had a shitty last hole, I get to have a new one here. And if I had a great hole, I've got a new one here. Right. right. So, so there's like, like that, that's why we have new year's resolutions. That, that, that change has a mental, it, it is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's another element of what a relaunch does. And again, if all you're doing is relaunch, okay, sales team, let's, here's what we're doing differently in the CRM now. No, it's okay. Here's the strategy. Here's what we're doing. Here's our, here, here's the place. Here's the context. Here's, here's how we're doing this. Here's the problem. Now, I remember what I was saying before. So when you launch something new, and you should mm-hmm. always be launching something new. If if you're launching new and quality. So I was talking with our, our growth director today. Yep. And and she's working on putting goals together for um for next year. And mm-hmm. she wants to increase traffic and decrease bounce rate. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And the reason she wants to decrease bounce rate is because she wants greater quality. She wants more quality. And I said, well, well, here's the difficulty, right? Now, now we've had decreased traffic for a bunch of different reasons. Right. Right. It's like, well, well, wait a second. So we want to drive more traffic. So that means we're going to have to do some things we haven't done before. We're going to have yep. to experiment, right? So, so if, if you're telling me success is driving more traffic and quality, mm-hmm. man, that's really hard. Yeah. I can't, it's hard to be successful. You're right. not giving me permission to improve badly. Right. Right. Yep. And here's how, this is what finally got it for us. I said, look, I'm working with you on hitting, right? And I'm telling you, you need to be more aggressive at the plate. We need more yep. hits from you. You need to be more aggressive at the plate. Yep. Which means I need you to swing it. I need you to swing. more. Yep. And then you swing at a bad pitch. And as you walk back from the plate, <laughs> coach says to you, what were you thinking swinging at that pitch? That was a horrible yeah. pitch. Yeah. No. Awesome. Lo- love the aggressiveness. Love the aggressiveness. Yeah. Right. Yep. Now, b- by the way, when you're, you're young enough to remember when your kids were young, I mean, really yep. young. Like yes. When you still wanted them. You're, you're, <laughs> Precisely. Your kids don't listen to the show. Your kids don't no. listen to the show. No. Okay, good. No, neither is my husband, so we're good. <laughs> uh, I bet you he understands that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> You know, they they wobbled. They would sit mm-hmm. up wobbling. Yep. Like, Look at that. That's awesome. They would, their first step. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Did we yell at them when they fell? <laughs> what were no. you doing falling there? Exactly, yeah. No. Right? They, they, they began to try to run, and so they fell, and they skinned their knee, and they start crying, and we go, no, that was great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've got to embrace that aspect of it. Right. So, so if you don't have that next now, now, by the way, there was a point where if our kids kept falling, then we might begin to talk to them about quality. Right. But, but what's fascinating to me about people Mm -hmm. is if the context is clear Mm -hmm. and the support is there, we learn so much on our own. We do. We're so self-correcting. And and by the way, at the end of the day, all the correction has to be self-correction. Yep. Right? And and so we need to enable that environment. And and we do that with an always be launching philosophy because we're never in a place where it's this. Because by the way, if we're not going to update this for a year or we're not going to update this until I don't know, well, mm-hmm. then you better be doing it right from the beginning. But yep. here's the difficulty. You don't know what right is. Yeah, you're and, right. And, and so that's where this all becomes hard. And, and oh, yep. by the way, I can promise you that if you bring, if you bring the right data and profiling strategy, mm-hmm. you're going to get pushback that you're asking for more than, than is needed. And if you're not getting pushback, then you're not asking for enough. Okay, interesting. And further, if you are not learning that you're looking for, for data and insights that aren't needed, then you are missing some very, very important data and insights. Right? Yep. So, so you need to be wrong. The implementer, the designer needs to be wrong. 
right? If, if I don't get told on occasion that I'm being too aggressive, I'm not being aggressive enough, right? I, yep. you know, one, one of our, one of our people who's really showing signs of growth, right? And I remember I had a conversation with her. I'm like, just so you know, like, right? yeah. Some of the internal things we did were like, holy cow, who, who took over this person's body? This is great. <laughs> amazing. <Awesome." laughs> and I had a conversation with him. I said, look, I just want you, I want you to know there are a couple places you were at the line. Yeah. Now, now this was somebody whose problem was they were so far. Like they didn't even, they were, they didn't even get to the beginning line. They didn't even get to the start line, let alone. I, I think, I think you said cross. that you didn't, you didn't even know if they had like talked in the first three months that they were here. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I said, look, now I fully expect that you're going to cross the line. Yep. Right. Cause if you don't cross the line, how do you know where the line is? Yep. Right. And so like, those are all the things that go in. So then when I'm asking you to change, mm -hmm. when I'm asking you, the rep, you, the user to change because of this, I need to be able to say, look, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Yep. We're going to do this for 90 days. If we see that it's not really justifying anything, I promise you, it'll stop. You know, one of my favorite things to say to somebody who's resisting is, you know, they say, this won't work. This won't yep. work in, in my market. This won't work with my customers. And I go, awesome. Yep. That's great. Thank you for telling me that. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to prove that to me. I want yep. you to do this 500 times so you can yep. prove to me that I'm wrong. And, and so what's funny is, we're nervous about change, but if we take away, if we, so, so by saying, Hey, you know what we've got, we're going to change more, right? Like that's the fear that I think people have. We're going to change yep. more. You actually take away the fear for change. Yep. Right. Because, because, yep. because you know why people are afraid of change? Because it takes them out of their safety zone. But I think there's something that, that, that goes beyond that. What? They're going to be stuck. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think people are afraid of, of being of change. I think they're afraid of being stuck. They're being, yeah. they're afraid of being stuck at something that they can't do or they can't do well, that they don't like, right. to do, et cetera. Yep. And so take away the fear of being stuck and, and, and you get a different behavior. Yep. Yep. I have, I have one more question for you before, because I, because this actually came to my mind as I was putting everything together and thinking through this. Does this strategy of always be launching, does this avoid you from having to change your CRM as frequently? Do you mean changing what CR, what CRM? What, what CRM? Yes. What, C, what, what CRM you are using? Does this, does this avoid you having to change your actual system that you're yeah. That you're paying yeah, money it does. to. It does. Um, and, and, and the reason I say that is I've worked with organizations that are using the wrong CRM. Mm -hmm. But at the time that they're using the wrong CRM, what's motivating them to change mm -hmm. isn't actually what's wrong about their CRM. It's like all the things that they're talking about of why they're looking for a new CRM, all the, well, we can't do this and we can't do this and we can't do this. 80, if not a hundred percent of that can mm -hmm. actually be done with their CRM. Okay. It's just not set up correctly. There's, they so, just haven't. Yeah. So, so it's very rare that I see that the real issue is that the reason you're changing your CRM is because you're beyond the capability of your CRM. 
Now, yep. if you do go beyond the capability of your CRM, what you're going to find is changing the CRM will become far, far less disruptive. Yeah, because you'll have mapped the process out, been working on that the whole time, including right, there's a, updating your system. By, by the way, the, the resistance to the CRM is far, far more resistance to the business process. Yep. Resistance yep. to accountability. Resistant, you know what, as a salesperson that's not been in an environment of clear, clarity and accountability, I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what salespeople call the fact that the CRM, that the, the company doesn't have all the information about their customer? They call it job security. Right. Yep. By the way, there's a whole big move that, that like, I've seen, it's stupid, but someone needs to build a sales CRM. <laughs> because... Because which enables the salesperson to to use their CRM from company to company so that they keep their data. Ah, uh, yeah. And 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 you know what? If I've built my relationships, I yeah. own my relationships. Yeah, yeah. The problem that far too many companies have, and mm -hmm. I want a salesperson to build a relationship. I want a, yep. I want a customer just relationship, but I also want a customer lift relationship right yeah right sure sure so yes um it would have a big impact on it by the way it would okay. also probably reduce how much change you have to make to your crm so even within your CRM. right yeah 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 absolutely um okay so a couple of takeaways a lot around kind of how you manage the launch but doing always um always be launching that enables the greater rate of change with less feeling of change. Um, as far as management goes, defining what's complete and what is relevant to complete is key. You need to push for that higher level of function. Um, you need to be wrong and be allowed to be wrong and, and put it in a time frame where you have enough time to make an impact, but not too much change. So you can test those assumptions. And then the last piece, which, it's a place where we frequently land. You need to make sure that that business process is a driver, not that the technology is leading, but that your business process is leading mm -hmm. your your launches and your decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to say this. It's probably a little bit hyperbole. Mm -hmm. But if you take an always be launching approach, it's transformation without change. Yep. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Jess? Congratulations. Yes, Thank you. Do you know why the Rangers won the World Series? Because you said they would. Nope, that's not why. <laughs> why? Because they said no to shitty robots. Full circle. Till next time, everybody. And that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps Show. This concept of always be launching is a great reminder that the end of the project isn't the finish line, or that the end of the year isn't the finish line. There's always something else, and there's always going to be another 90 days to tackle. So do something great with it. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to us. We would really appreciate it if you left us a review and shared the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about the concept of always be launching your CRM or what it means for you to be launching your CRM three to four times a year, feel free to email me at hannah at liftenablement.com or hit us up on formerly Twitter, now x at demand creator, or even on LinkedIn at Lift Enablement. 
And until next time, just say no to shitty RevOps.